I need to stop saying it you because like I'm saying it in my everyday jargon now. Like something happens and I'm like, ew. I think it's normal. I like saying bleep a lot. Like bleep. She's a bad just bleep. like bleep. Kind of just like that. Out of the blue. Oh. Okay, Miss Corgi. <laughs> <laughs> also, I feel like that resonates with me because I think the word twee is really fun. Tree? Twee as in T W E E. What does that mean? As in like Zoe De Chanel 2016. 2014. <laughs> you know, Zoe De Chanel yeah. bangs, like short skirt. I'm not wearing that, but like it's very twee. Like it's something's very twee. Zoe De Chanel. Yeah. She's married to one of the property brothers. What? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. So Chanel's. I think either married or with. I was going to say, I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but I'm sorry. Jess from New Girl oh, yeah. is... I don't like her. You don't like well, her? Well, I did at first, and then I was watching it and realised that I only wanted to watch it because I like the boys in it. Mm. Okay. Because <laughs> girls suck. What's that? What's it called again? Beck, uh, the Bechdel test. Is that how you yeah, pronounce it? Bechdel? Bechdel. I don't know. Bechdel. God, this is like the other day when I was I had a brain fart and I I said Oedipus complex instead of Oedipus complex. Oh God. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I like New Girl and I like Jess, but she just she just really annoys me. Mm. Like the more because I, I went through a phase where it's all I watched. Like New Girl was all I watched, and I think Jess just like started annoying me. Mm, I mean, to be fair, the whole. Her whole like romance like story is quite frustrating. Mm, I love Nick Miller. I think Nick Miller is like the standard. Nick Miller or Eric Foreman from that seventies show. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, New Girl was the first TV show that I like fell asleep to. I've never fallen asleep to TV shows before, and that was the first I fell asleep to. Like I had it playing on Netflix on like the oh. other side of my bed. Tell you what's a, an experience. Falling asleep to it's always sunny and fell <laughs> Really? Yeah. I woke up and it was like... Oh, I can't remember the name of the the episode, but it was the play one. What where season? Where they're working... I can't remember, but they're on... They're, they're in the play. And it's such a fever dream of an episode in itself. But I woke up, like, really disorientated. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. I think it's... <laughs> well, that's me when I woke up to Meet the Robinsons. Oh, yeah. God. Meet the Robinsons is such a good film. Yeah. Tell you what I do want to watch. The um, Zoo Tropolis or Zootopia, yes! wherever you're from. They're the 10 minute... 10 minute little, little, little episodes. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a massive sucker for Real Housewives, so I'm going to be watching the... The Real Housewives of... Of Zootropolis. Of Zootropolis. Yeah. There's only 10, there's only ten minutes. Well, I'm going to milk it. I'm going to watch it in 0.5 speed. Yes. <laughs> Me and I watched The Matrix in 1.5 speed. What? I... You watched The Matrix in yeah. 1.5? Yeah, actually, The Matrix wasn't... I like the concept of it, but the film just is a bit... Mr. Keanu Reeves, if you're... You're not listening. <laughs> Don't be so negative. <laughs> okay, I'm positive. High, high hopes for a minute. I thought it was for a living. <laughs> Maybe. Gotta have ha ha hopes for a living. Maybe that's why I've been not so good recently because it's only been for a minute. Hi <laughs> hi hopes for a minute. Hi hi hopes. Gotta have ha ha hopes for a living. Well, I've been doing it for a minute. 
Oh, maybe that's why you've fallen asleep. <laughs> but I don't fall asleep for more than 10 minutes. And it's usually my body knows when it's... That's up. like 10 times high hopes. <laughs> but my body knows when it's okay. Like, you know there's like an app that where you can like put in a movie that you're going to go see and it tells you when's the best time to go for a pee break because you're not going to miss anything very clever. Oh, really? So my body was kind of in tune with that and slept instead of going for a pee break. That. Yeah, BuzzFeed told me that back in the day. Do you ever fall... Is there ever a movie that you put on specifically to fall asleep to? No, I put on Global News Podcast. Of course you do. <laughs> thing I put on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. So I think it's such a pretty film to fall asleep to. The music's so cute. Mm. I love but the film. Probably. Do you ever get stressed that like, you're like, going like, to break your computer? Like, while you toss and turn? Um, no. Unless you watch it on like, the telly too. Actually... I've had an experience where I've knocked my computer outside my bed, but mm. my music. So I fell asleep to Pitch Perfect. <laughs> um, I pulled it all night to finish my work, and I was like, I'm gonna go to sleep. But I couldn't get to sleep. So I was like, I'll put some music. I'll put like, I'll pitch, put I'll, Pitch Perfect, I'll put pitch perfect <laughs> on, and fall asleep. Um, and I literally conked out as soon as I put it on. Yeah. To the point where I couldn't remember putting it on. Like <laughs> when I woke up, I couldn't remember that I put it on. Yeah. And all I so had. So you only slept for about like. Two yeah. hours, yeah. yeah. And I fell asleep, and I woke up to. Bow, bow, boom. And I was like, what is that? And I got really stressed because I couldn't find my laptop and I didn't know where the music was coming from. Yeah. So I like shot out of bed and I was running around with my hands, because I was really fragile, yeah, yeah, and my okay. hands over my ears. Like, oh, where is this music coming from? And then it only got to the point where Benji goes, Ben Platt goes, I got the magic. And I was like, oh, this is pitch perfect. Yeah. Why have I put pitch perfect yeah. on? This was at like, Eight in the morning. <laughs> alarm. Alar- alarm. Yeah, no, that was my alarm. Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea for an alarm. Bam, bam. I've been looking for the weekend. I would do the second one. He got trumps like a dog. Dum, dum. That would be my my alarm. All night long. Let me see that. I think my alarm, my worst alarm, mm. if I needed to get out of bed to change the alarm because I hate it so much, would be, be Haley Steinfeld's <laughs> flashlight. <laughs> During the riff up, that doesn't even make any sense. No, no, because it doesn't. Like it, it wasn't even relevant in terms of the category. What it's was an the original what was the song. Category? I got only what I guess you would. It was like songs of the thousand, two thousands or something. Like that. I don't know what it was. But okay, she was just yeah. like, I got only what I could do it. Or like, no, it wasn't even that bit. It wasn't even the good bit. Why? Why would you? Do, what possessed you to do that? Nothing. And I literally hated the poor actress. <laughs> For about three years after, because of that bit, I was like, mm. stop. Mm. I can't believe you hated her, because I actually really loved her. I love while. Hayley Steinfeld. Now. Well, yeah, yeah. I loved Edge of Seventeen. That oh, was such so a good... Mm. He, that was my gateway movie to Woody Harrelson. Mm. Zombieland. Have you ever seen Zombieland? No. They're so funny. Well, they might not be funny. See, now now that I've mentioned Letterboxd, I'm now scared that and whoever listens to this <laughs> is now going to be like, actually, not- you're your movie um, opinions are so invalid <laughs> because... You're not valid. Yeah, because you suck. So now I'm scared to say that Zombieland's a good film because I haven't seen the letterbox reviews. Oh my gosh. We need to stop living like letterbox is going to rule our world. It's like, it's... A, it, to me, it's an extra. It's a background character in my life, Letterboxd. Do you, have you done any reviews? I, I did a review for Psycho. Because I watched oh, okay. Psycho and I got the giggles because um, the the giggles. grandma goes, so you think I'm fruity, huh? And I got the giggles for that because I'm nine years old 
and so just put that as a review didn't realize everyone saw that i thought that was just like a log in your diary because then it was like 80s film lover or three liked your <laughs> review and i was like what review did i put out and turns out everyone saw it so i was like oh well i'm gonna mm. cherish this like mm. And then I think I reviewed Meet the Robinsons after watching it again, being like, sure. I would not like to live in a society where bowler hats were socially acceptable. Oh, yeah. No. Would you wear a bowler hat? Um, no. no. Wait, no, if no. you think about it, bowler hats, no, bucket hats are just like a soft, soft. bowler hat. Is that true? Bowler um, hats. They have mm. less structure, yeah. 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 What does that say about society? Less structure, period. Less structure. So true, just like this podcast. Just like this podcast, yeah. Um, I had a phase where I was really, really obsessed with getting the right um, review on Letterboxd. Like, I had to like get a, like a really quirky, like it had the perfect mix of intellectual and funny and like just like yeah Twitter lingo. Twitter lingo, mm. but Twitter lingo like oh true actually. It, tr- it there's a big, big correlation. Mm. Um, another thing that's on my radar recently is the Leeds Palestinian Film Festival which is on from the 10th of November to the 9th of December. But I picked this, I picked a flyer up um, somewhere in Headingley and there's quite a lot of good things going on. There's like, there's actually, there's a night on the 4th of December where it's singing and film and refreshments, which sounds so nice. I love community events. Um, And I think I'm going to check out some of the film screenings because there's nothing better than expanding your film horizons and cultural horizons, let's be honest. Yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, we had a wonderful opportunity to speak with Jack Spring, um, the director of the new film Three Day Millionaire, which comes out on the 25th of November. Um, we are bound to have a longer in-person interview with him when it comes to Leeds on the 21st of November and an amazing screening afterwards. But we got just a quick chat with him today talking about what to expect, a little bit of a background about the film and just generally, you know, familiarising ourselves with Grimsby and the whole plot. But here we are. I think we're probably just going to start off with um, the filming. What was it like filming during COVID? Because obviously you started filming in September, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's September, October last year, which was kind of the back end of all the COVID-y stuff. Um, and to be honest, it was absolutely fine. Like once you got used to kind of in society wearing masks and all that jazz, it was kind of like you didn't really think about it. You know, like you were so used to wearing masks indoors and, and bits like that that yeah. we didn't really think twice about anything. So it was, um, yeah, it, it was kind of absolutely normal. And, you know, we were lucky, like, the, the COVID did kind of delay us probably by a year in terms of shooting. But once we were kind of actually shooting, it was, uh, yeah, we, it was kind of felt normal. Did you feel like that delay from the year was beneficial? Um, it's weird to think, like, probably. Like, I watched Destination Doozy Back, which is my first movie, uh, like, a couple of nights ago. And, like, you know, there, there's so many things I would do differently now. Because obviously it was an open casting call uh, for the show, but what was the casting process like? Yeah, it was uh, it was actually really exciting. So I'm a little bit different to most directors in that I kind of sort of am the casting director in the way, like in some sense of it. Like, so I, I watch every single tape that comes through. Like we put a pretty you know wide casting call out for actors, non-actors, 
everything in between and you know you get like thousands of tapes for each role and you know usually a casting director would watch them and then kind of pick the best 10 or 15 in their opinion and and give that to the director to watch but I think that's quite lazy and I you know watch every single one so it's quite a mammoth process because you're watching thousands of tapes for each role um but like my opinion of what's right for the role is naturally going to be different to any other human like a, a casting director and that's not a slight on them it's just like I think it's lazy directors don't watch all the tapes because um, you know the, a, an absolute diamond to you will probably mean something different to someone else and um, yeah so it's lengthy there were some roles you know we were trying to cast it was all shot on set in Grimsby so we were trying to cast people local local to that so that was kind of more of an open call um and then you've got like the big names as well um which the kind of producers knew Colomini and um, they'd work with him they knew Jonas um and yeah you know it kind of like you, you almost cast in different tiers like you kind of do your big names so you know you've got kind of selling enough selling power on the back end mm. you do your kind of you know your, your big roles with proper professional actors and, and stuff and then you kind of the smaller the roles get, especially kind of the non-verbal ones that are just kind of not quite extras, but kind of not really named characters, you know, that you can kind of direct someone that hasn't got too much acting experience. Um, so, yeah, it was a long process. It was a good couple of months of kind of watching tapes and kind of going back and forth with agents. And it's quite stressful because you find the one that you really like and then um, they want too much money. So <laughs> you don't have to kind of go between like the producers and and the agents and sort of I got everyone that I wanted um, but it took a lot of uh, bargaining mm. yeah I feel that's a good take um, that all, that directors should start doing actually like the involvement in the casting because obviously they're going to be working with the actors on set yeah well, it's like 70% of my job is getting that casting decision right because you know your job becomes pretty easy if you cast the right people that can you know relate to the characters and you know they are they kind of encompass your vision of the characters because if you know like a director will always have the final say on cast you know but usually they're picking from a short list of 10 you know whereas i essentially have a short list of thousands for each role and can really really find the right person and i get you know like some directors do two or three films a year and they just don't have time for that process but i, I just do think the quality of the work obviously suffers working like that nice um, so you mentioned that it was filmed in Grimsby. Um, obviously, um, in terms of like mainstream films, I think one of the only um, windows we get into Grimsby is uh, the Session Barracorn <laughs> film. Um, is yours, I'm guessing yours is a different depiction of the place. It is very, very different, yeah. I mean, I love Sasha Brown Cohen, particularly his earlier work. Um, but I don't think that film was his best work. And it, um, it was a lazy take on Grimsby. Like, he did come to Grimsby once. He went to a Grimsby town game and was spotted in the pub. I remember getting a text by my mate saying, how he's doing <laughs> in the pub. I was like, yeah, right. And then next thing, he's got a picture with him. Um, so he went to Grimsby. He didn't shoot any of it in Grimsby. It, it just kind of takes, you know, the connotations of Grimsby, you know, i.e. a rough working-class northern fishing town. and kind of just paints it in excrement um you know it's a cheap it's a cheap shot of the place they're not even doing Grimsby accents they're doing Manchester accents they got you know Sasha Brown Cohen's basically playing Liam Gallagher 
<laughs> so at the, at the kind of like at the start and, and we're, you know our film's all about Grimsby's actual kind of heritage soul identity you know like it, it's it's all about the fishing industry that was the kind of basis of the town's growth and the kind of identity that it still hangs on to today um so it's what i would call a far more in-depth um intelligent kind of look at Grimsby as a place mm-hmm. um you know that sounds very deep it's not it's got it's kind of got them political bits but it's like it's a fun crime comedy, you know, but with kind of political bits in there as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a very, very different take. You know, the people of Grimsby or the, or the council in particular, you know, wanted to meet quite early doors with me when they when they heard rumours of this project happening because they were worried that it'd be another Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen kind of paint the town badly job. Um, but as soon as I explained my intentions, you know, like that whole town has been amazing. Like we've got a screening on like the world premiere on Friday and we've sold like over a thousand tickets. Oh wow. Nuts. Um so yeah, you know, it's uh, I can't speak highly enough of the place as a place to make a movie. You know, it's where my family are from. I support the football club, so I was never gonna yeah. paint it in a bad light. But um yeah, was delighted with how we were received there. Mm. Oh nice. So um in terms of the title Three Day Millionaire, I'm right by saying it's the the fishermen have three weeks on the fishing ground yeah and then three days to spend their money before they go back yeah yeah exactly that so yeah the, the term three day millionaires was pretty kind of localized in Grimsby and Hull and yeah you know as you say it was the, the children would go to sea for three four weeks at a time come back to land for three days before going back out again and a very clever, assumingly owner of a pub invented a rumour or a uh, kind of old wives tale that if you went back to sea with coin in your pocket, your ship would sink. So that basically meant they had three days to spend their month of wages. Otherwise, their ship would uh, allegedly sink. So that's exactly what they did. They'd come home, go down the pub for three days straight, um, do everything naughty. Um, they'd get these kind of pinstripe suits made um just have a whale of a time and then literally go back out to sea and do it all again and it was kind of such a beautiful way of life that you know the the, the real three-day millionaires you know like the actual foreman that were doing this who i met you know as part of the research you know they're also proud of their identity and like none of them like the job you know like being a deep sea trawlerman is horrific it's like the most dangerous job right in terms of fatalities outside the armed services i think it still is today um it's obviously horrible working conditions and hours, but they're so proud of their kind of way of life and identity. Mm. And kind of, we, we, we've got that, you know, across in film, I think really well. Um, but it's this whole like little kind of micro culture in the corner of the UK that was just brilliant and like exploding with energy and life. And this kind of not quite counterculture, but like, yeah, this little kind of micro slice of the UK that's not been seen on the big screen before. It's mm. quite exciting. Yes, exciting. Um, so obviously you said um, for research, you spoke to actual torment. Um, is that the reason you want to tell this story in particular, to paint Grimsby in a better light? Or Yeah, it's a good question. It's kind of a combination of a lot of things. So um, like my, my dad's side of the family are all from Grimsby and I spent a lot of time there as a kid and support the football club. So I know the town really well and kind of a lot of people there. So I kind of had had that kind of backstory, but I, I got sent the script. Um, so, you know, it was fairly kind of what we shot, 
the, you know, the kind of the version of the script that, that I saw. Um, got sent it and just loved it. And, um, you know, it was this kind of vibrant story with these amazing characters in Grimsby that I knew kind of super intimately. And, you know, that kind of third thing of kind of being part of Grimsby's kind of change, you know, like in the last five years, Grimsby has found its new identity. It's like one of the leaders in the UK in the um, like offshore wind farms and renewables energy space. It's kind of found its new main employer, its new identity, whatever you kind of want to call it. Um, but that change, you know, Grim Grimsby's only been on a kind of upward trend for the last four or five years. And um, so to be to hopefully help accelerate that a little bit, particularly with the kind of, you know, showing the country and the world, no, this is Grimsby, rather than this kind of lazy trope, you know, idea that you might have of it. And, you know, it's got the word grim in its name. It doesn't help itself. But, um, you know, actually showing something that kind of celebrates the town's identity and, and highlights some of its problems, um, you know, it was, it just felt very kind of close to my heart and easy to do. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we were we did an Instagram deep dive last We night. did. <laughs> and oh dear. I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, no, I love no. it. We, <laughs> we I was wondering who's in charge of creating the chairs where you sit down, you've got your naming director. So there's a story behind there's a big story behind this chair. Oh wow. So so Mr. Jack raises like a million quid for the film. Uh gets everything together, you know, the whole project's going, blah, 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 blah. I bring all the kind of pieces to the table. Uh, and then like two weeks before we start shooting, the producers who I've hired um, are tell me I can't have my own chair in the budget. I'm like, hang on, hang on, something's wrong here. Anyway, I kick off. It's, no, I don't really. Uh, I, <laughs> I have to go and buy, do the degrading thing of going on Amazon, getting my own chair having to sneakily get one of the runners on day one to go to the printing shop to get my name on the back of it. Just because I wanted my own chair. I was like, right, this is movie number. I didn't have my own proper chair on the first film. Mm. I wanted my own chair. Um, so, yeah, I've got my chair. The chair is still in my apartment um, next to my TV, looking nice. cool. Um, so is the clapperboard. I got that framed because um, oh, nice. it was such a I had such an amazing time making it I cried my eyes out the day we wrapped because oh. I had just like the best time ever um, and yeah so the, the chair has a special place in my heart I actually unfortunately took the chair to another shoot which was also in Grimsby um, and the DOP uh, the director of photography mm -hmm. sat on the chair and broke it no. because of his lack of reasonable diet and regular exercise oh, um so i had to i had to get a uh, a carpentry friend to uh, sort mm. it out but the chair lives on mm. the chair lives on um so yeah it was a uh, rather than a glamorous kind of thing that happens with a trailer and various directors assistants it was me going on amazon on the first day of the shoot over breakfast ordering a chair and then sending one of the forerunners out to the uh, local printing shop but what i have done i've learned from chairgate and i have made sure that on the next film in the budget i've specifically made sure these are lined in the budget jack's got a big chair and a little chair mm -hmm. it's a very it's a very grounding story it reminds us yeah. all it is. it's a real soul cruncher it'll really help your audience connect with me i'm sure
Yeah, I mean, props to the runner <laughs> for getting it for you. Yeah, the printer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good on it. I mean, he, that runner actually, the lad called Archie, he's become a very good friend of mine actually. Um, and uh, yeah, it all started with his willingness to sneak off behind the producers' backs and uh, sort me my chair. <laughs> yeah, the real <laughs> ones, the real ones. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And it looks dead good on Instagram. True. True. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie just to get out before you know, the screenings? Are you allowed to swear or not? Yeah. It's fucking great. Go watch it <laughs> twice, if not three times. And if any of you watch it on Pirate Bay, I will come for you. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay, well, Love um, it. Love thank it. you so much, Jack. Thank you. So yeah, if anyone's available to come to the screening on the twenty fifth of November, um, in Leeds, it's in Showcase Cinema at Burstall. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it'll be great. It's followed by Q and A. So if you book your ticket soon, you'll be able to attend that. Yeah, near Morley. Yeah, near Morley. But that should be fun. So I think that's the first episode of um, Beat Like Done. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll hit you with some fresh sounds for your ears soon. I'm about that is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>